0: In this episode of Movie Wallers, we talk about the personal history of David Copperfield, Sound of Metal, and Wolf Walkers. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe.
1: Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well.
0: Movie Wireless is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for
1: you. Greetings.
2: Yay, we are together again.
1: Recording, podcasting, singing along.
0: Again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, is, uh, it is the holidays. It's time Would it be to fun to do a singing
2: version of a podcast?
1: Mm. Let's do an all-singing version. Yes,
2: right. It could be like a <laughs> holiday extravaganza.
0: I'm going to need whiskey for that. <laughs> I can't. I, I will not be able to do that without serious libation.
2: <laughs> That'll be yeah.
1: fun.
0: That might
2: be fun. Maybe we do a segment. Maybe we do a holiday movie in sing-song.
1: Yes,
0: <laughs> I say we do it. Drunk. I'll I remember I suggested doing a drunk podcast yeah, did, like, yeah. way back in the you day. Did. And I was shut down pretty quickly by the two of you. But I think a drunk podcast would well, actually Well, not drunk, mean...
1: but maybe a drinking mm-hmm. one.
0: No, it's well, drunk.
1: No, some movies <laughs> would lend themselves very well to a drunk podcast.
2: Yeah. How are you, Yazdi?
1: <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to the holidays. And I'm looking forward to us getting out from the clench of the coronavirus. So yes, okay, tight me,
2: me, me too.
0: I'm looking forward to going back to theatres, which won't happen soon. And in our, since you mentioned coronavirus, we have to talk about HBO Max because mm-hmm. uh, I was stunned actually by their announcement uh, a week or so, well, maybe in this past week, that they were going to move all of their major movie releases to the HBO Max platform for 2021, which... Um, I'm both delighted and devastated about. A, I'm devastated because we're not going to see them um, come into theatres. But I'm delighted in the sense that a single subscription will give you access to all of this, presumably, um, top-tier content.
2: I wonder if they're going to increase the charge for new subscriptions. No.
0: No, they're sticking to the same fee they've removed the free trial
1: but the but once theaters reopen i presume some movies even though they're going to open concurrently with it with being available on hbo max um i i i I think the serious people will go to watch them in the theaters like i want to see wonder woman in the theaters i don't want to see it on my little television screen
0: yeah that's not going to happen um but yeah i agree Mm -hmm. i mean you know my preference is always to see a movie in a theater even if it's a quote unquote small movie i still would Mm -hmm. rather see it in in the theater and yeah i i guess you know it's just the uncertainty that covid brings for next year there's there's light at the end of the tunnel with you know talk of vaccines and vaccinations and getting over this you know acute infectious period but I think all of next year regardless of whether theatres are open or not they're going to release them in parallel on on tv so it's a big experiment yeah and Yasti
2: and I should probably mention that for um reviewing press friend of year consideration what started happening now is many of the studios are doing a timed release um, on a certain day so they send you the link but the link only becomes active at a certain time and it's only active for a certain duration so it, essentially we're all watching the same movie at the same time so that's an interesting um,
0: do you think that would work though I mean I'm wondering and, if and cinemas kind of may move that, move that way but it. I don't know that that would work in the home environment for a major movie release. Why not? Because, well, I don't know. I mean, my, my feeling is that you're competing with on-demand content. And so, yes, as critics, you're getting a preview access to something with a limited uh, window. But that's really there to prevent piracy. Sure. Don't just maybe
2: another I, way forward, yeah.
0: I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for that. <laughs> just...
1: So when, so for example, when a big name movie gets released on HBO Max, it will be streaming all the time or it, it's going to be a fixed time, only one showing. And if you have HBO Max, you watch it.
2: No, they're never just fixed time. They run them. I mean, if you ever had HBO, or HBO Max, they usually have a release date and time it plays and then it continuously pe- plays. Um, you know, it's constantly on.
1: Because I think Any- once it's on like that, then they might as well just give the movie away because the kids will all just you know, put it on the internets. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it I all think the out. idea
0: here is they're trying to drive a critical mass of HBO Max subscriptions and they're using the movie release thing as a weapon to do that because with HBO and you know, again they're removing the free trial so you can't kind of go in, watch the mm-hmm. movie, then bail. You are paying for a month and so the idea i guess is that in that month you're going to use the heck out of the service and hbo max is actually one of the ones i haven't subscribed to so we've done trials of all the different ones but and we were hbo subscribers in the past but we haven't done the hbo max thing so um you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they they weaponize this because you know the, clearly the one of the big battles still being fought is the um the Netflix versus Hulu versus HBO Max versus Disney Plus for you know there's app versus Apple TV plus I mean there's so many of these services that I think they're all trying to vie for market share and dominance um certainly play catch up to Netflix if nothing else but anyway interesting days uh 2021 will be an interesting one and you know I'm grateful for access to these movies that we can't see in the big the- in the big screen, but I still want to go back to theaters.
1: Yeah, if I was Warner Brothers, I would just wait it out. You wait it for a year, or just wait out for four or five more months. But maybe they're sick of waiting. Well,
0: that's the thing. They waited four or five months, and then they've waited. You know, it's like we we don't know when things are going to return back. The movie business is forever changed. I think so. Yeah. anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about movies that we have seen and that hopefully uh, our listeners will be able to see on various services. So um, three movies to talk about in this podcast. The first one is The Personal History of David Copperfield. The next one is The Sound of Metal, or rather, I should say Sound of Metal. Uh, And then the third one is Wolf Walkers. So Shall we tackle them in that order? Yes, let's. Okay, so let's start with David Copperfield. Rashmi, are you ready to talk about that? I
2: am. So this is the personal history of David Copperfield. And uh, this is a modern take on that infamous Charles Dickens classic tale of a young orphan who is able to triumph over his many obstacles. And this is directed by one of my favorites, Armando um, Iannucci. And if you think you remember that name, you do. It's from one of my favorite movies, The Death of Stalin, um, a couple of years ago. Um, and this is um, written by Simon. He also
1: the first season of Weep. And yes. you know, he's, he's had a very storied career. Yeah, yeah he's got a he great, great resume. Yeah.
2: Um, and so the screenplay of this, obviously based on the novel by Charles Dickens, um, is written by Simon Blackwell. And this has a pretty um, hefty cast, including um, Dev Patel, um, Tilda Swinton. Um, it has um, Hugh Laurie, um, a whole host of others, um, too many to name. Um, but those are the three main um, I guess, the big names in the movie. So, um, Yazdi, you saw this a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of the personal history of David Copperfield?
1: So there have been many David Copperfield adaptations on BBC, etc. over the years. And um, it's perhaps not, uh, at least growing up in India, it was not Dickens's most famous book. So, you know, uh, I, I remember studying it, but it's com- it had completely evaporated from my head. So I think when you're taking... Um, a classic like that, and trying to make a movie, maybe this is one way to do it, which is that the entire movie is rigorously, almost militantly whimsical. So you know, the the basics. St- I mean, all of Dickens' stories are about an outcast kid, which is growing up in a cruel world, and you know, finally the kid prevails against the world, and it's just a basis for him to make a social commentary about wealth and class. You know, and uh, and how we treat the less fortunate in Victorian England. But what I really liked about uh, Armando Iannucci's take on this is that he kind of kind of presents the whole story in some kind of looped out, blissed out world um, where everything is a little bit more fantastical, a little bit more removed from reality, uh, a little bit more. Uh, a, a lift than it needs to be, and so it. I just enjoyed it for the visual wonder of it. It it almost it. It's a feat because it you take a very earthly story about somebody facing very earthly, you know, problems growing up in life and kind of make it a very fantastical thing. So I I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's hundred percent successful. Uh, sometimes the whimsy got to be too overbearing for me, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, okay. And we can talk more about a few other things. Yes. Joe.
0: It's definitely not <clears throat> It's definitely not 100% successful. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't successful for me at all, I think, for the reasons you state yesterday. I think the movie um, has uh, a really confusingly woven narrative. And I haven't seen a version of David Copperfield since you know, I was yay high. So I don't really remember the story. And I couldn't tell you the story from what I saw here. It's sumptuously produced. I mean, it really is the cast and all of the the kind of visual details and the costumes and and the universe and the world it creates are are, are beautiful to behold. But narratively, I, I just thought this was muddled. I don't know what the moral of the story is. I don't know what the characters were doing or did, and perhaps I'm remembering this story. And you know, I put it this way: if this was the first time seeing this story, I would have no idea why this is such a classic.
2: Yeah, I'm in I'm in Joe's camp this week, um, Yasti. I also studied David Copperfield when I was yay high and couldn't remember the story, but. This didn't remind me of the story that I had read when I was yay high. And to me, this came off really like a pantomime. One of those all British pantomimes that um, Joe and I probably, you know, spent our youth growing up on. And pantomimes are these stage plays and they're very bright and... Um, campy. Campy. And it's like, oh, no, he didn't. It's a lot of audience participation. Um And it felt to me like I was trying so hard to be funny that it fell flat on its face. I think it's joyful and I think it's a good holiday movie that can be enjoyed by an entire family together. Um, But it just didn't work for me. And I want to raise the issue of this film has done a really brave thing, which is Mm -hmm. they have not cast... um, Mm -hmm you know, traditionally Caucasian roles to Caucasian actors. And I actually found that really jarring and it took me out of the moment. And I hate to say that because I love the idea that we should be able to watch anything and it doesn't matter what a character's name or character is, that it could be played by anyone, any shape, race, gender. But unfortunately, this just didn't work for me, and I couldn't figure out who was related and who wasn't, and uh, who was a family and who wasn't, and and it just I was stuck in the old ways of watching movies. So it it was fun and joyful, but it just didn't work for me. And I love this director. I mean, The Death of Stalin was one of my favorite movies of you know the last five years.
1: Yeah, I think I think the the movie assumes that you are already very familiar with, with I think, with David Copperfield's story. And so it it, it kind of expects you to know when it's kind of deviated from it. Uh, I did go back and, you know, kind of read up the the original bare bones skeleton story of David the Copperfield, Charles Dickens on, on Wikipedia. No, on Wikipedia I did. And actually the movie is remarkably... Uh, you know, it, it has high fidelity to it. It's just that at every step of the way, there is kookiness built into it. Like, it's not enough that, you know, the caretaker um, at the home where he grew up with his mom, you know, lives in a poor little shanty by the beach that the shanty that she lives in is an inverted giant shoe. You know, the, the woman that he falls in love with, you know, she literally has these cotton candy colored dreams. So everything is kind of raised up a notch. And so I think that's why it, it makes things seem a little bit even more surreal than not. And the other thing which was interesting for me is the, you know, again, thanks to Wikipedia, the full title of Charles Dickens's book is The Personal History, Adventures, Experience, and Observation of David Copperfield, The Younger of blooderstone Rookery. So... Um, oh my god! I, that tells you I, everything you need to know about the movie. Yeah, it does. And I actually, I, this the two things I wanted to mention is I did like this kind of uh, race blind casting. I just wish there was. Yes, thank you for being more articulate with the word. <laughs> no, I, no, it's not, not even a question of being more. I I just wish that there was some. Some, you know, if, if you're going to let a kite off, then you need a string, which is still holding the kite down to planet Earth. You know, you right, can't let right. the kite just fly off. So this kite just flies off. And it's very strange. It's not very strange. It's odd that David Copperfield is obviously, you played by Dave Patel. And it's not Dev Patel trying to be British. It's Dave Patel seeming very Indian. And the little boy who plays him is also a very, very Indian boy with an Indian accent. The girl who he kind of grew up with and he doesn't realize he loves until he does at the end, she is an African-American actor. So it. it right. And her father is way, Asian. Yes. And her father is Asian. And I think that I don't know if this is part of the whimsy or if they want to uh, just say that, you know, race should not be a consideration for good actors. The old globe which is one of the premier theater groups here in San Diego, when they do their Shakespeare plays, they do the same thing. They will hire anybody regardless of uh, color of skin or whatever, as long as they're good actors. So it's. I, I think it's just, uh, get. you know, it takes some getting used to. Because was, you try to find connections when there aren't any.
0: I was going to say, I mean, I think... I would be far more accepting of that in a stage play because mm-hmm. I recognize the limitation of casting like you know you want to find the very best David Copperfield regardless of of skin color, appearance, you know, height, weight, gender even, you know, we but in a movie we're not ready for that yet. We're not we haven't <clears throat> the pump hasn't been primed for our brains, at least my brain, to accept this type of racially blind casting, I mean, and I, I used, it's going to be an extreme example, but I can't imagine 12 years a slave with Chiwetel Ejiofor's part being played by a white guy. I mean, my brain just isn't there yet. I, I'm not race blind. And if I ever run for office, I know I'm going to regret this podcast. But <laughs> it, it, it's, the, it's the problem right now that we are in this transitionary period. The The academy is saying, let's be more race blind. Let's have... Let's use actors for actors' uh, ability and not necessarily, you know, write roles for particular races. You know, and in this in this story, you can see why why race doesn't matter because the thematic elements of the story are carried by the character. And in, in the world that the book was set, though there, there wasn't it wasn't a multicultural society; it was a, a, a you know an all white British society. So. The roles aren't written with race, gender, appearance in mind, but my brain just isn't quite there yet. So like Rashmi, um, I found the whole thing to be quite gimmicky. I felt like it was making a political statement, which perhaps it wasn't, and I just was distracted by it.
2: Yeah, and I felt like it almost was tonally in the wrong place. So it was almost trying to be a Disney musical without any musical song, yet it felt like they were going to break into song and dance at any second, which never came. And so it just, the highs weren't very high and the lows weren't very low. And I think the character arc just didn't play out. It just felt, again, I keep coming back to it, it just felt like a really cheesy, chintzy pantomime. With yeah, it costume. does. And there's some. And there's everyone some dress up.
1: Who, yeah, and I think there's some characters which do better than others, like Tilda Swinton. Maybe it's because it's Tilda Swinton. She gets away with being Tilda Swinton and doing kind of crazy things, and we expect her. But like the character that uh, Hugh Laurie plays, or the one that Peter, Capal- Peter Capaldi play, right? they're so relentlessly clownish. They're constantly right. clowning.
2: Right. That
1: it gets tiresome right they con- both of them are constantly clowning i'm like i get it you are this you know flightful character in in the story but it, it it's hard to tether them yeah to the rest of it yeah and, I, and,
2: I, and especially it didn't I'm, bother I'm glad me as ge-
1: much. yeah sorry
2: on. i'm talking over you um i'm glad you brought up Hugh Laurie cuz the first thing i thought of was that he did an amazing um he did an amazing part in um black adder really Another series which I loved, a great British comedy Mm -hmm. called Blackadder, where he played Prince, the Prince, and he was almost the same character in terms of tone, and it just didn't fit.
0: Just going back to the race thing. Sorry, I have to keep talking about this because I think maybe I'm more ready than I think. Because as I as I was talking about that, I thought about the movie Hamilton, or rather the play Hamilton, where Mm -hmm. you know all of the founding fathers were played by all sorts of um different races and yet my brain totally accepted that so i think maybe it is the clownish aspect of this that my brain's kind of fighting not necessarily the the race
2: but i guess um joe the other piece is that the film hamilton we watched was the stage rendition and if this was a movie of hamilton it would be very different
0: Okay, so maybe it's echoing the point I made, which yeah. is I'll accept it for a stage play. Correct. But yeah. Who knows? I mean, we're we're clearly. It's just
2: interesting that you bring up Hamilton. As a transition. Is what we just watched there's it. The yeah. Transition.
1: I mean, it it doesn't bother me that much. It just it it's one more layer. It's one more degree of separation from the story. Yeah. Right. It's it's not bothersome as it's just odd. Like you know, if there was even one piece of dialogue which indicated that you know david David copperfield's mom fell in love with this indian girl when she was in india that's all you have to say and then it all makes sense then then the kid is indian looking you know something something to connect it because otherwise you're trying to like i said look for connections i mean the other thing which comes to mind for me is i know that when the 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 theatrical version of uh, harry potter first showed up on west end they hired an african american girl to play hermione ah. and there was big outrage at that time saying you know how dare they do that and it's a political stunt etc and j k Rowling said there's nothing in my book which says that you know hermione is a pale caucasian girl and you are free to interpret it anyways so um, we don't we don't need to go down this rabbit hole but it's it's interesting how you know especially when you're dealing with a classic where you know that 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 distribution of ethnicities didn't exist at that time to bring that in. It's, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting that we spent probably more than half of this review talking about the race issue or the blind race issue than the movie itself. So I'm ready to wrap this one up. Um, look, I think this is a great holiday movie if you can't find anything else to watch. Um, it's worth watching just for the great performance by Dev Patel. And I'm glad that he's branched out and that he's got a really good lead, juicy part. Um, but having said that, this just didn't work for me. For me, this is, this is a five out of 10. Very average
0: a five for me as well. I just couldn't get into it. And it's too bad because it is beautiful to look at. It's not, I think this movie would have probably added a point or two for me on the big screen. But in the home environment where you can't really appreciate the visual of the movie in the the same way that you might in in the big screen. um, Yeah, it, it just, it was, it was just I couldn't pull the threads together and found myself bored. So, yeah, five.
1: Yazdi? Yes, uh, yeah, I would give it a seven out of ten. And I think maybe I was very confused when I watched the movie, but I was never annoyed um, because the, the visuals really blew me away. And I, I almost felt like I was – you know, we were talking of a drunk podcast. I almost felt like somebody was high and a little bit drunk and they made <laughs> yes. this and they said – you know, why not have this person fly away? Or why not this? Why don't they live in a giant shoe instead? And, you know, I, I, I really like how they just let go of, you know, typical constraints and did this. So I kind of enjoyed that. But I think what helped me considerably in terms of my regard for the movie is very soon afterwards, I went into Wikipedia and read the whole story. And then once you know the skeleton of the story, you can see how the movie kind of did their version of it. So um, it's not a it's For me, it's not a total loss. I think just a brushing up on the story might, might help your reception of the movie. It's just wonderful to look at. Seven out of ten, yes.
0: Moving on, next movie of the week is Sound of Metal. So I think, Yazdi, um, you're going to tell us a little background on that?
1: Yes, so The Sound of Metal is the directorial debut of Darius Marder. And um, the screenplay is by Marder and Abraham, his brother, presumably Marder, um, along with the story credit with Derek Cianfrance. And if you remember, Derek Cianfrance is the person who did uh,
0: Blue, Valentine?
1: Blue Valentine and The Place Between the Palms, so The Place Behind the, place the, palm, the, pines. Behind the pines, yes, Behind the Pines, yes. Um, so. Um, This is, like I said, a directorial debut written and directed by the same person, and it stars Riz Ahmed in a a lead role, and uh, the story of the movie is pretty straightforward. A heavy metal drummer, hence the name of the movie, a heavy metal drummer realizes one fine day that he is very rapidly losing his hearing, and the rest of the movie is about him coping with that. Um, the movie stars Riz Ahmed, like I said, in the title role, and it also has Olivia Cook playing his uh, female love interest and Paul Rossi in a major supporting role. So I believe all of us saw this movie. What do you guys think of The Sound of Metal?
2: Okay, so, um, I was really excited to see this movie, A, because, um, I love Riz Ahmed for a long time, and I was so happy that he was getting a lead, um, role in this. And then also there was so much buzz about this, right? That this one seemed to come with with a lot of, mind the pun, noise um, around it. And so I was really, really excited. So having watched it, I'm going to sum it up by saying this. I think this is a great, maybe even an exceptional performance in an above average movie. Um, I think it's got exceptional sound mixing. I just wish the music had been better
0: um yeah i mean it's a very powerful movie i think it's one of those you know i always say this when an actor has to play a disability um that it can be a gift or a curse i think if it's done well it really shows you what the actor is capable of but it also can really um be something that wouldn't if it doesn't work then you know you kind of think that they throw away a gimmick definitely oscar fodder but that said um Riz Ahmed really nails his performance here. I I found him incredibly believable. Um, Yeah, I agree with Rashmi. The movie has its problems narratively. Um, It ultimately does work for me. And I went on its journey, found myself incredibly moved. uh, And um, again, you know, the movie does that very clever thing that um, it, it really puts you into the shoes of somebody to whom something like this is happening and what stayed with me long after the movie um well you know since the since since having watched the movie is just how you know grateful i am personally to to you know have um hold of of you know all of my basic senses i mean it it really is a a a, a, a kind of a really it's an experiential movie so yeah just very very powerful stuff
1: yasdi yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie and it's kind of grown on me the more I think about it. Um, I know that um, people who go to watch this movie thinking it's going to be a fairly mainstream movie, they may, that's not what you're signing up for. I think this is a movie which is a meditation on the stubbornness of us accepting that something is wrong with us. And, you know, I think uh, for me There is nothing more horrific. This was this. It was so visceral an experience while I was watching it. It was like a horror movie to me for me to wake up one morning and realize I'm blind or to wake up one morning and realize that I don't have an arm or a leg. You know, you hear about all these stories about people who go to war and then a bomb blows up. And next thing they know, they're in the hospital without two legs. How how do you make it from that Monday to the next Tuesday? How do you go from that? You know, how how do you get by? And I can come and the movie to its great credit that's all it's interested in. It's not interested in any of the other, you know, peripheral stories. That peripheral story, those peripheral stories help kind of inform this person's lack of acceptance of what's happening. And I think um, it does a remarkably good job because I, I can see myself going through that where there is immense rage initially. There is refusal to accept it. There's almost going against, you know, what you have been told, not accepting it, Um and I, I think nobody would like to admit that they are disabled. And I think to, to cross that bridge and get to the point where you accept that you're disabled um, is a big step. So I think, th- I mean, there have been many movies, you know, My Left Foot and, you know, there's so many movies about disabilities. But I think this movie really handles that at a mental level, that it's not something that's going to happen immediately. And what kind of demons you have to kind of fight internal demons to to get or maybe not get to that place. And, you know, the, I think the movie, um, when it when it proudly declares itself as being a movie about disability, I, it really goes fully there. You know, like, what about false hopes? What if somebody told you that your eyesight can be restored if you go blind? And what if you're clinging on to that false hope and maybe you get half of your vision back and it deals with all of these ups and downs of, you know, what you might face. So I I really enjoyed the experience of it as as disturbing and horrifying as it was. And I also like the fact that there is no attempt at any point to make um, the lead character likable or lovable. Uh, he is as conflicted, as wrong, as, you know, he's a very human person. You know, he's he's not necessarily looking for help even when 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 he needs it. And I think in the last act of the movie, I was really very, very emotionally touched because it comes to a point where, well, okay, by the time you have decided that you have adapted to this, the rest of your close ones may not have, or they may not be adapting to your this big change in your life at the same rate or the same pace that you have, and then what do you do? So yeah, I, like, I, I really love this movie. I
2: yeah. like how I, I think a credit to it is the fact that it stays so focused on message, it doesn't try and make this an epic story of overcoming um, mm-hmm. an adversity, right? It's truly um, an ex- experiential movie. You are you are the you are the person who this is being done to in some ways. So I like it for that. Um, I just found like it didn't quite keep my attention all the time and so I found myself like a you're at home right so you can talk to the person who's in the room with you and so I found myself just asking Joe all these stupid questions like do you think deaf people can argue and they know when they're getting louder with each other or you know all these stupid questions and I realized I was asking those questions uh much to your annoyance I think Joe um because it didn't quite keep my attention the entire time. And so for that, I'd end up taking a point off, Um, because it didn't quite hold together. And again, I think he's amazing. Riz Ahmed is amazing in this movie.
0: I I know what you're saying, Rashmi. I mean, I'm not going to hold the movie responsible for the fact that um, I have ADD. You have ADD, that the cat's wandering around. I mean, this is this all goes back to my point of missing the movie theater because I think this movie would have been mind-blowing in the theater environment. That's true, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, I mean, I, I agree that the movie has some... And maybe they're deliberate choices. Yes, you made some really good points there about um, the movie seemingly having these peripheral threads but really not focusing on them and I think um, I was playing that it was playing that game with me of teasing me with uh, what's gonna happen between him and his partner you know I want to go down some of these rabbit holes and it it never gave me the satisfaction um, of doing that in a conventional way I won't say that things weren't dealt with they were everything was addressed and and wrapped up and And done with great integrity, but I think again, it it may be a consequence of you know. To be honest, I think having heard Yazdi's analysis of this, um, I think that's it's right on the money. I think that was by intent, and I think if I see the movie again with through that lens, it would actually go up a point in my estimation. So this this I agree, Yazdi. I mean, this is a very very powerful movie. I think you just have to kind of decouple yourself from this sense that it's going to be the standard dramatic arc. It's more about, um, like you say, the seven stages of grief with respect to disability.
1: Yeah, and I really, I think, I suspect there is a part in the movie which is a fairly large part in the middle where he gets sent to this kind of disability camp, if you will, where other people who are... um, you know, they're also have lost their earring. They're all kind of living a life and trying to find a new normal. And the movie spends a lot of time there. And I think he builds this relationship with the guy who runs this, you know, camp for the earring impaired. And, and, and that actor, Paul Racy, I think just. Oh, he's did a amazing.
2: Uh, amazing. Yeah.
1: He had empathy, but he was not a pushover and he knew where to draw the lines. And he himself had been through it. So I really liked that interaction. I almost initially thought that where the hell has this movie landed? It's just brought the whole thing to a screeching halt. Why should I care about this whole camp, which is going on with all these other characters? But again, I think it's it's deliberately I think it's deliberate because it's meant to make you realize that. Your whole life has changed. This is a person who's a drummer who cannot hear anymore, and so what defines him is no longer there. And now he has to kind of create a new life. So, um yeah, I just I I, I, I forgot I was watching a movie. I, it it was pretty visceral for me.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting, Yasti, that you you've reminded me that not only does he, is he losing his hearing, but he's also an addict, and so this camp is specifically for hard of hearing or, you know, hearing impaired addicts. And so there's this whole complexity and yet the film does manage to not go down the typical tropes of addiction, right? Like this could have easily turned into a, you know, um, hearing impaired, train spotting type movie very easily and it didn't. And so, yeah, it's a good point actually. Maybe I get that one point back for my ADD. (laughs)
1: And I think, I mean, you mentioned about it earlier, Joe, but the sound design here is just truly remarkable because from the very Incredible. first time that he realizes that he's losing his sound all the way through, and then it kind of gives up on it. But then in the last part of the movie, which really shook me up, you know, again, that sound design comes in in a an in amazing way to show what what he's hearing when he's hearing certain things at certain times. And uh, um. Yeah. So, I mean, I I would be very surprised if this film didn't pick up at least some technical
2: yeah. awards
1: in the sound category.
2: Yeah. And it sounded like you were playing the cymbals
1: there just for effect. No, I, I kind of tipped my mic over in excitement. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I can wrap up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. After no, you. no, please go yeah. on. I was going to wrap up. So. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm really very thankful for a movie like this. It's very unlike anything else that I've seen. And I commend this director and writer for kind of, you know, it's not the most cinematic thing to make a movie about somebody who's lost their earring and who's a metal drummer and then just sticking so close to that person for two hours. I commend them. I really was with the main character in this movie. And I was kind of uh, horrified while I was watching it, it had a very, very strong effect on me. And I, like you, it, it, it really made me have a sense of gratitude that you know we are so blessed to have our faculties. And you know what, what a big loss it would be if you lose, you know, even even any single one of them. Uh, this is a great, humane, wonderful movie. Eight and a half out of ten. Which uh, I'll bump. Uh, really. Which I'll raise to a mm, mm, do
2: it, it's december yeah it's, a
1: nine, yeah, it's a nine out of ten for me it's 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 a very it's a very powerful movie,
2: yeah, Yasdi gave a nine
0: yes, yes. <laughs> and based on your analysis, Yasdi, I'm gonna do that too. I was sitting on it firmly on the eight line, but I think mm. um you know kind of hearing you talk about it, making me realize that I didn't quite get it in the way that I should have um. Has increased the movie's um, yeah increased the movie in my estimation. So your fault. I'm gonna give, give that a nine as well. Really? Uh, no, it's, wow. it, it, it was it yes. was very powerful stuff. And I think you know we're gonna, definitely gonna see Mr. Ahmed on the best actor list, if not with the Academy on several other um, you know things like I'm thinking like SAGs and other Spirit. kind of yep. globes. Um, <laughs> yeah
1: globes yeah yeah.
0: But I mean, I I think he's he's he deserves academy recognition here as well and 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 you know just again talking about racial blindness and there is nothing Mm -hmm. about this character on the page that suggests that he ought to be played by an ethnic actor but here we are and um, you know no dissonance in my brain he he fit the role perfectly and the story was told so i applaud that kind of thing for sure
1: yeah Yeah.
2: this is easily um uh uh An A-plus for Riz Ahmed. I am so happy that we are finally seeing what this actor is capable of. I've loved him since I saw him in The Reluctant Fundamentalist years ago. Um, Overall, the film, 7 out of 10 for me. Okay. Okay
0: final movie of the week is wolf walkers so i'll give us a quick background on this animation um it comes from uh, director tom moore and ross stewart and i believe their credits include um the wonderful uh movie breadwinner although i think maybe as producers rather than uh, as as directors um song of the sea which uh, again i remember coming out didn't get to see that but um definitely a, 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 a great cv there in terms of animation uh in terms of cast sean bean uh has a, a has a role in this uh, i'll leave the other names off the list but the pricey of the movie is as follows in a time of superstition and magic a 17th century hunter has a change of heart when she travels to ireland to help her father wipe out the last pack of wolves so I didn't get to see this one. Rashmi, I know that you saw it on the big screen and the pocket screen. And we were trying to... S- we were. We were We actually had plans, but this movie was one of those on a limited streaming. So this was one of the examples you we were talking about earlier where um, you had to catch the movie in whatever form you could. So I know you've seen it. And Yazdi, I believe you have seen this too? Yes. So take it away.
2: Yeah, so... Um, this is a must-see animation, uh, just for the fact of the animation itself is just beautiful, and I've never seen even in a Pixar movie, in a Pixar movie such depth. Um, it felt so th- three-dimensional, um, and a world that you could dive into. And if you dived into that world, it would just be endless in terms of depth. It was stunning. And then I just love the themes of this movie. It's got this stunning Irish soundtrack. It's got a great, gutsy, young girl protagonist, like we spoke about Enola Holmes a few podcasts ago. It's about fathers and daughters. It's about living in harmony with the environment. And it's about friendship in unlikely places. This is just... Stunning, I love this movie.
1: yeah, I, I liked it too. I think uh, you know, we have seen so much animation uh, you know for for decades, uh, if not a century, that it's very hard to come up with some kind of visual look that surprises you. And this movie from the very first frames, manages to awe you. I mean, uh, and it's 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 curious that you mentioned depth because actually to me, it all is standard two-dimensional um, animation, but it, it gives you a sense of depth because the colors are just so vibrant. I mean, uh, there are very few animated movies I've seen where you actually ache because it's so beautiful and you can't drink it all in. The first five minutes of the movie was just like achingly beautiful. And there is a very weird... Um, I don't want to say weird. There's a very unusual way the faces are drawn. They have a particular aspect. I can't even explain it. Aspect ratio. It's yeah. Aspect ratio almost the the length to the width of the faces is kind of very unusual, but it, but it in that world, in what it's created, it completely works. And because it's not hyper-realistic in that way, it kind of gives it a nice fable like feel. Um, And If I could, if the only thing that I might fault is that great heroine, it you know, does a commentary about all of these things, but the story arc itself seemed a little mainstream, you know, exactly how you would expect a story like this to play out. So I wish it had been maybe just a few twists, uh, more twists and turns, because it kind of went down the path. There was a, a Pixar movie called Brave. Yes. which kind of it reminded me a little bit although Same. visually it's completely different and you know there is nothing i like more than stories which deal with you know considering a long perceived enemy through a different pair of eyes right so so you grow you grow up thinking you know that Dragons are bad, you know, and then you find out that dragons are not so bad. And that's the whole point of how to train your dragon and the series of movies. And here it is like this whole the whole premise of this story is that these wolves are evil. And, you know, she she grows up as a hunter of wolves until she gets lost in this magical world and she realizes that maybe the wolves are not as e- as evil as, as as she considered them. And it sounds kind of tacky as I'm saying it, but it's beautifully rendered. So,
2: yeah.
1: um, you know, the, the voice sounded so much to me like Saoirse Ronan. I actually me had to too, and, and even kind of, the look
2: of the main protagonist.
1: The, the look of the main protagonist yeah. too. I was like, this has to be Saoirse Ronan, but it's not, and it just shows how... It, it reflects poorly on me because I think that everybody with that accent is searching Ronan, which on which is horrible.
2: On a Niefsy is the main protagonist plays yeah. Robin. Yeah. yeah. And, and the voice um, acting is really good. I mean, it, it's quite special. Um,
1: it's... Uh, there's nobody I would not recommend this to. It's just a delight of a movie. Yeah. I just wish it was a tad stronger in the story department, but I cannot fault it for anything else. Go uh, on. Agree,
2: Rashmi. agree, yes. And and it is that time of year, and Joe jokes about this when I am cramming, like there is no tomorrow, to watch movie all the time. And so I did on this one swap from watching it on the main screen to watching it on my iPad as I was getting ready to leave the house because we had to leave the house. And then I ended up watching it on my on my iPhone. So I watched it on three different formats. And it translated really well onto all three. So it was obviously most beautiful on our big screen TV, um, and the sound. um, But it did translate really well onto what's my mine's a little iPad, um, and then iPad mini, and then just a regular iPhone. um, And it was delightful. Yeah. Yeah. It's that time of year when I literally am changing formats, walking around the house, doing things and watching movie. Um, Okay. I can wrap this one up again. Yasdi, I I think I'm going to steal your words, which is everyone should watch this. There isn't anyone who won't enjoy this again. It's a great family movie. Um, just beautiful, easily eight out of 10.
1: Yeah, eight out of ten from me as well. This would this could have been a nine out of ten, you know. With anyway, I've I've already I've already mentioned that. I and I I like how the heroine is so plucky and she's so so gutsy. You know, she she's very gutsy and nobody can. She won't listen to anybody who says stay in the house, don't go. It's dangerous outside. That just makes her go out more. And I really like, you know, because I think young girls need to see this. Where you know, and yet she persisted. She was told not to do it, and yet she persisted. And I like that. You know, for a, for a story set in the 17th century, there is this very, uh, you know, plucky little heroine who, who kind of takes responsibility for the danger she gets into. Yeah. But
2: it's because it's for the greater good. It's not that she's yeah. plucky and brave because she doesn't want to listen to her, those around her. Her reasoning is very justified, right? It's definitely for the greater good. And it, it's about taking chances and and really fighting for what you believe is the right thing to do she's she's right. really a revolutionary in in that way
1: yeah and she you know the beautiful you mentioned beautiful father daughter relationship she just wants to be like her father and she yeah. wants to win yeah. his win his uh approval uh, his his approval and his you know get pride that even though she's a girl she can do everything that he does so it's right. a sweet sweet movie yeah okay Let's uh, draw this podcast
0: to a close. Then, um, more, much more, actually coming from us very soon. So this is going to be a, a kind of a triple bill of recording. So we will have fair, fairly, um, fairly extensive content on 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 its way out to you. Thank you again for listening. If you've made it to this part of the podcast, we appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen to our nonsense so until next podcast it's too many movies too little time a goodbye from me
2: and me
1: and me as well